There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, if you do I. Right now on the Power Chord Hour, we're talking to this week's guest, Mr. Mike Collins, who's the owner and founder of one of my favorite record labels, TDR Records. And uh, over the years, TDR has released music from Punchline, The Promise Hero, Barely Blind, Yellowbird Mantra, tons of uh, past guests on here, and uh, many, many more. So we're going to talk about his uh, label, what it's like to run a label, which I've always been uh, interested in, and uh, get into all of that. Mike, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. I've uh, I've been excited for this. I was uh, thinking about it earlier. I think you're the only person who's ever had an episode of this show named after you. I uh, forgot the the first time Bobby Vaughn was on here, we called it the Mike Collins Love Fest. So, with that said, <laughs> I'm surprised it's taken uh, this long to have you on. So, uh, thank you very much for agreeing to come on, and I'm surprised I haven't asked you uh, sooner. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been listening to you for years and corresponding with you for year, even more years. So it's uh, it's good to finally chat on the on the phone. Yeah, this man has uh, sent me a lot of packages through the years. I've uh, I've bought in I've bought in many uh, grab bags and different things things from the uh, label. And I do want to get into that because I've always I've always been interested in uh, just running a label, what it takes, and uh, including current day. And I mean, also the fact that You've been. Do- I was thinking about it too. You've been doing it for. Uh, I mean, how many years now uh, have you been doing TDR? Because it's a lot longer than so, I was thinking. Sure. So officially, about sixteen years. Oh, but wow. I mean, really, I've been doing it since I was in a band. So we're going on about twenty, twenty-one years now. Oh, gee, yeah. See, like, I really, I don't know. Not that I think of you as like say like the new like brand new but it's like wow i i really forgot that you'd been around that long but before we get into the label itself i mean going way back like what was the music that first got you interested like what were the first artists growing up that got you into music in the first place um i mean i have to say my favorite band green day for sure and after hearing about them it was i, I remember the summer 94 um, right before Woodstock because my a friend of mine or something had pay-per-view and like, you know, we'd somehow gotten a CD from my parents and saw them at Woodstock and was like, okay, this, this is, this is my band. So um, from there, it just morphed into, you know, like the offspring rancid. Then I found Blink-182 and it was just like every, every one of these bands just kind of, you know, spoke to me like, this is, this is where I belong. How old were you like when you started going to shows? Um, my first concert, um, I think I was 12 or 13 when I saw Green Day at the Nimrod tour. Oh, nice. Yes. That, yeah, was, that was that was awesome. Do they do you remember like set list wise? Like did they play like a Nimrod heavy set list? Uh yeah, I would say about five five or six songs. Um, you know, the ones that I can remember uh, nice guys finish last. Uh, redundant. Take back. Um, uh, pretty sure scattered. And then they did close the time of your life in prosthetic head. Oh, nice. That's a. Uh, I mean, are you? Are they still your favorite band current day? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's that's <laughs> every, what I thought. Every song, every album. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that. No, I I, uh, I love Green Day, and my interest uh, for Insomniac somehow I never realized the genius of it until about a year ago. And uh, like for the last year, I I think I listened to it at least three times a week. So my like love for Green Day has been like reignited again lately. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I would love to talk about Insomniac the whole hour. It's my <laughs> my favorite album by them. It's probably my favorite artwork, favorite album in general. I mean, just the whole thing is just so good. And, you know, just everything that was going on with that band at that time, you know, when they released it, they were still on top of their game with uh, with Dookie. And it's just like you don't see bands do that at all. They, they, you know, they don't release an album while their other album is doing, you know, phenomenal. We, I did an episode on it, and, and then we'll move on. But, I mean, as yeah. we're talking about Insomniac, like, yeah, it blew my mind because I did an episode about it with a friend. And before doing that episode, I never realized Insomniac came out a year later. Like, yeah, right? A year a year so, after Dookie. So t- it was technically a calendar year. So Dookie came out February 1st, 1994. And Insomniac came out... Um, I believe October 13th or 14th of 95. So, I mean, really they, they wrote and recorded Insomniac probably within, I don't know, within a year of, of Dookie coming out. Cause that's nuts. You know, I, I, yeah. Cause they, they started to blow up in August and September of 94. And then, yeah, pretty much a year later they released Insomniac. And that's an album with and Dookie had so many singles that were being played for so long too that it's like that stuff was still being played on the radio as they're releasing exactly. another album. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. It was it was a crazy time. Like I didn't I didn't understand cuz I was so young. I didn't understand, you know, how rare that was or or whatnot, but it was just like, "Oh, cool, they're coming out with another album. You know, I got to get this." And you know, I'll I'll say one more thing about Insomniac. I had my uh my birthday party that year um in december of 95 and i was already the biggest green day fan because i would say out of the 20 people i invited probably got 15 insomniac cds for my birthday (laughs) nice (laughs) did you how many did you keep uh i mean i have i have a couple right now so i'm sure i returned (laughs) all of them oh man um you know i feel like you got into music at like in a good era but i mean like like did you grow up in chicago Yes, in the southwest suburbs. So, I mean, like, what was the, like, when you started going to, uh, like, local shows, I don't know when that was, like, I know you said you saw Green Day, but, like, when you started, like, going to shows with, like, local bands, you know, like, what was the scene like when you were growing up there? So, I I went to, there's two shows that stick out. My my first local shows, one was at a coffee shop in Palos Heights, and the other was at a skate park in Woodstock, uh, both in Illinois. And I mean, I was just brand new to this whole thing. Like I had only gone to the city to see, you know, national touring acts and at large venues. It was not until then that was like, oh my gosh, you know, bands my age or within my age are playing just down the street from me and, you know, on a smaller scale. But it was like, oh, this is possible. Like we can, we can go to shows, we could play shows. And it just started going to these local coffee house shows that were like once a month. And then, you know, from there, people like me and other bands heard of it and started booking shows more often. So instead of like one show a month, we had a couple shows a month and it became every weekend. 
And then from there, you know, over the course of a couple of years, it, you know, during the late 90s, early 2000s, just shows pretty much every day of the week. That's really cool. I, I feel like on here I always talk about the New, the New Jersey scene a lot because it was really special for like a decade. But like Chicago seems to be another one where there was a stretch of time, maybe even a few times throughout the years. I think even more recently they kind of had a revival, revival for a while. But uh, like that's a really special scene too where like I feel like you have really supportive people. Like you can – like you were saying like you could actually get shows going. I take it there are more than enough bands to fill up a lineup – like that's really cool, and not every you know not every city has that. Yeah, I think we were. I mean, I didn't realize it at the time. I, I know we were definitely spoiled because there were so many bands, so many people, and everyone wanted to just go to a show and play a show. And you know the the era that I grew up in, playing shows and going to shows was more you know two thousand to two thousand four, two thousand five. Um, like I always, I love listening to anything that Mike Park from Asian Man Records does. And he talks yeah. about like the Chicago scene in the nineties. And like, I, I wish I, that I was able to see, um, you know, every single band that Brennan Kelly has been in, you know, before <laughs> 1999, which would have been cool. Um, but you know, my, I, I was lucky enough to see bands like Alistair, uh, Fall Out Boy, Spitalfield, Knockouts, you know, come up uh you know plain white tees come up from you know no one at a show to all right they're playing you know huge venues and arenas now that is amazing and now did you i guess during that timeline i'm not sure by the time you're going to shows was like fireside bowl still a thing like could you were you seeing shows there was that kind of over by that time oh no that was that was fireside within a day oh, okay um, yeah I, I i discovered fireside in in 99 or 2000 um, you know, we'd heard about it again. We just heard about it from people, you know, there was, there was no internets where you could go up and, and, you know, look up these places. It's just like, Hey, there's this band, they're playing this, this bowling alley in Chicago. Want to go see them. You go there. Every show is like five bucks and you go, wow. you can, and I, I got to see every single band that, you know, was, was touring during those years at the fireside, which is, you know, I think a 200 cap room, but you know, there's, I can only imagine how many more people they shoved into that place. Like it was, it was beyond capacity every show, um, you know, that there was a, a solid lineup at, but yeah, Fireside Bowl, um, my favorite venue to um, go to shows at was that place for sure. Did you ever play there? Uh, yes. Yeah. We, we got to play there three times, uh, twice with basically nobody there. And uh, one time was with, uh, was with Fall Out Boy. Um, nice. It was right, right as they signed to Phil by Ramen. So they, it's crazy. Like Fall Out Boy was playing like every week in the Chicago area, in Chicago, um, probably from like 2002 to early 2003. Um, but you know, before they got signed to Phil by Ramen, and then they just stopped, and then you know, obviously blew up from there. That's crazy. I mean, you so you played drums in Mayfield, right? Yes. Yeah. Now is it is that your only band or did you play in any other bands? Uh, nothing notable, just you know garage bands. That was a notable one, before. Mayfield. Yeah, a couple garage bands before Mayfield, and Mayfield is where you know we took it more seriously than any other um, any other band that we had been in, and you know went and found a studio, recorded an EP, later recorded a full length. But like I mentioned before, it, it in hindsight. 
I was running a record label while I was doing the band. Like we were just doing it all ourselves and just figuring it out as we went. You, were you releasing uh, Mayfield stuff on TDR then? Yes. So yeah, we just released our own music, but like we wanted to act bigger than we were. So, <laughs> you know, we put a, a label name on the, on the back of the CD and we're like, yeah, we're, we're on this record label. And, but cause back then the goal was to get signed. You, if you were on a label, you were, you stuck out then compared to somebody who did it on their own, which is kind of crazy. Now it's like everyone is pretty much DIY these days, unless they're on a major label. So it's, you know, it's, it's come a long way in the past 20 years. Yeah. I mean, that's wild. And I mean, I, I definitely want to get to that later, but like, I, I feel like you, because you've done it on both sides. I mean, running a label and being in a band, but like the way you, I mean, people send music, how you sign bands, how you put music out, you know, like all of that stuff, I'm sure has changed so wild, you know, like so drastically over, I mean, 20 years. That's a, that's a lot of time for a change, you know? Yeah, for sure. But uh, so you did say you played the Fireside Bowl, so I assume you played some local shows. Did you guys tour uh, at all? Uh, yeah, we toured. I mean, not nothing in the like a month long tours. Like we did some one to two week stints um, in the Midwest, on the East Coast, and then out west as well. So I mean, we got our our feet wet with touring, and um, you know, it was we played to nobody. Played some shows were good. <laughs> Every other show was terrible, but. Um, it was, you know, everything that I had, you know, dreamed about doing after seeing like, um, you know, those Blink-182 uh, DVDs where they're in the van <laughs> yes. talk, talking about going to shows and, you know, Newfound Glory doing the same thing. So it's like I, it's all I wanted to do when I saw bands growing up and knew that, you know, any band could tour and go play out of state. Um, and then when we were doing it, it's like, this is awesome. But, you know, it was a great experience. No, that's awesome. Do you uh, do you play drums at all still? I play steering wheel drums for sure. <laughs> um, I have I have an electric kit and I have my my old kit, but I have not physically played in a while. Um, I actually, it's, I can't believe it's it's been over ten years now. But I was on tour with Barely Blind, set it off, and with the Punches uh, back in two thousand ten. Oh, nice! And yeah, um, that that was another awesome tour to be on and um set it off drummer ended up leaving the tour halfway through and i hadn't played in a few years but they were like we need a drummer and you know i i learned all the songs and you know i'd, I'd heard the songs because we were listening to them every night but you know really sat down and learned them in about a day oh wow i played i played the last week of shows with them and it was it was awesome you know quote being in a band again you know, so that was that was a blast. That's then, pretty cool. Yeah, and then you know, a few years later, uh, they they were touring with um, Every Avenue for their last tour, and their last date of the tour was in Chicago. And they were like, you know, hey, our drummer can't has to be out of here for can't make the show for some reason. And they called me up, and I, I filled in again for them then. And it was uh, it was at the Bottom Lounge, and it was Ooh. in front of uh, a nine hundred cap room and. Yeah, again, it was a really cool experience, and it was just—it was only because you know we had toured with them, made friends with them, and um, and it was nice that they thought of me and, and called up, called me up to ask me. Do, do you think you'd answer that call now if uh, anyone ever asked you to uh, come out of drum retirement? You see yourself ever doing that again? <laughs> uh, it depends on the situation. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to say no, but I'm I'm definitely not going to say yes. 
I, I I hear you. I, I could see that. Yeah, you'd probably want to uh, know first. But, uh, you know, as far as so we're kind of talking about your bands, but I mean, getting into TDR, what initially, uh, you know, to like start a na- to start a label like, I mean, was it was it just like you said to kind of, you know, pump up that you were self-releasing uh, albums? Like, is that the whole reason why you kind of started TDR? Yeah, I pretty much. I mean, we were I was I was promoting Mayfield and I was promoting my band. But again, at the time, if you slapped a label on your CD, you stuck out from a lot of other local bands. So, you know, we, we did that. And, you know, I was doing everything that, you know, I do now to it, to a degree. Um, but just for the band. And now I just do it for the label and my, the bands that I work with. What year did the uh, label start? Uh, so yeah, officially, uh, 2005. So that's when I, you know, filed the papers and everything and started doing everything legit. Um, you know, cause at the time I was, you know, in my early twenties. So, you know, I, I was like, Oh, let's, let's try and do this. Let's see what happens. And, you know, got it all legit and, and went on from there. Who was the, uh, you know, outside of Mayfield, who was the first band that you assigned to TDR? Uh, I would say it's, so we had a couple releases before our first band. So we had, you know, our, our self releases and then we did a punchline over it split seven inch, which really got our name out there, which was awesome of those guys. I own a few and, copies of that. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we did, we just started becoming friends with um, a bunch of bands and we released a compilation called first taste in the morning in um, 2005 and there's like 18 bands on it. So, you know, we were able to, to promote the label through the punchline over split, this 18 band compilation. And then from there, like we built some, some cloud, I guess. And we, we ended up coming across uh, the prize fight from Philadelphia um, that year as well in, in late 05. So I would say the first band that we officially signed the prize fight. Night. That's a that's a good first signing. That's a uh, yeah. They're a great band. Yeah, I was. Um, it, it was interesting because I I kind of had heard of them because they were on that that drive through records pure volume compilation that was released. That and, big one, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I'd heard of them through that, but I really didn't know much about the band. Like when when I discovered them, they had two demos on pure volume, and that was it. There wasn't any of their old stuff. Um, nothing you know nothing about anything that they had done before with horns and the songs that i heard were just like you know um you know just kind of like emo rock and you know with with some pop punk in there and what i heard was like this is awesome this these guys would be awesome to to release something from and reached out to them and you know we talked for uh over that that summer of 05 and um by the end of the year they had an ep recorded that's awesome and it's cool too that you got to release that uh, compilation too, because I feel like you were, were at the, like probably the very end of like labels really putting comps out. I feel like because I don't I don't feel like much later after that you really saw bands do it so much or labels yeah. I should say. Yeah, for sure. Um, we did. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to that time, and yeah, we we did a thousand CDs with an unknown label, and. And, you know, 18 bands that were not really known. I mean, at the time, the, the biggest bands now, um, we had Valencia on there. We had Over It. We had uh, The Swellers. We had All Time Low. Um, you know, 
few other bands, but it's like at the time, no one knew about these bands. And I had heard of them from friends of friends. And, you know, it was cool to see some of these, these bands that, you know, lent us a song for this uh, record uh, to go on and do something bigger. This is still a time, right, where you would find bands on like MySpace and Pure Volume and like that's kind of where you'd find bands on the Internet at that point. Yeah. Yes. Uh, MySpace and Pure Volume. This is. Yeah, they're 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 bigger days, which I I still I, I swear by it all the time on here. I think MySpace is still the gold standard for discovering music online and was the greatest form of uh it was all social media in one place for bands. You could hear them, see their tour dates pictures blogs all that in one place i i miss that it's all just yeah it's splattered everywhere now and everything's kind of like a half-ass version of what myspace went when it was good obviously it, it kind of got bad there in the end but that was a right, good time think, for discovering music yeah definitely um you know I, I actually discovered and connected with uh some of the bands that i work with today and you know back then it was like you know myspace obviously they they folded, but you know, it was a great promotional tool there. You didn't have to pay to be on it. it. You know, when you commented or messaged somebody, they didn't block it. Um, you didn't have to have it. There wasn't any algorithms. It's like, if you, if you were a band on there, you could find people and you know, people could find you. So it was a, a great tool to have. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, uh, uh miss that, but that, that it's like insomniac. I could talk about, uh, my for hours, so so we'll get back to uh we'll get back to TDR but when you started the label in the beginning like what would you say was the hardest part first when you were when you first started running the label what was like the first maybe hurdle you hit or just like the hardest thing in the beginning Oh the the hardest thing was finding out how do I get a CD pressed like <laughs> you, you, no one had any idea how to do it I mean there was there was a few companies and like I said there wasn't I couldn't go on the internet and search for CD companies it's you know, I, I, I had found out about this uh, CD pressing plant in Canada um, from a friend. Um, so we, we, that, that was our first first ever CD pressing, and we bought it from Canada. And then from there, we did find some um, uh, U.S. companies that would press CDs. But, I mean, just like I, I had no idea about artwork, nothing, nothing like that. But it's I'm telling you, it goes back to when I first started going to shows first started meeting people, playing in bands, meeting other bands. Everybody that I met along the way came back later to help in some way. So like the person I, I met at a show helped me find um, a CD pressing plant. Another person I met at a show helped me do artwork. And, you know, from there, just anytime I needed something, it's like, oh, I think, you know, this person knows how to do something like that. Let me talk to them. So um, it was all about meeting people and making those connections to to help figure out what to do back then. That's awesome. Cause I feel like that's something that you see a lot, like in this scene specifically, cause I feel like I've even kind of done that myself with like going back, like starting this and kind of like, okay, like who have I met? Like, who you know, through different things. And like, I feel like it's a very close knit kind of like, you know, punk, whatever. I mean, just, you know, it's kind of a blanket statement, but like the scene, in general, and it's like it, it's kind of nice that it's like that. I think you can kind of be like, oh, if you want to start something, people are accessible and they'll help you. You know, they're not like trying to like you know knock you down a peg or look at you like your competition. They're kind of willing to help you and like kind of show you the ropes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I got that sense when I was doing it. You know, because um, 
it was just, you, you saw the same people at every show and you just slowly became friends with them. And, um, yeah, got to know them and it, it was just cool to, to meet people like, like yourself, but you know, along the way you need some help with something. This person's good at, you know, street teaming, passing out flyers. They, they go to all these shows and this person's good with artwork. They understand what Photoshop is. Cause I had no idea what the heck Photoshop was back then. I still don't. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but uh, another thing, you know, you're talking about like a hard part of running the label, but what were a few things that like you didn't even realize that you had to do until you started running a label? Because I feel like there's a lot of things you wouldn't know that you had to do until you started doing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's uh, kind of hard to describe, like, I literally just just jumped in and whatever needed to happen, like that's what I focused on to, to get done. So, you know, for, for the CD, it's like, all right, where do I get a CD pressed? Okay. I found this place. All right. How do I get a CD pressed? They have some instructions. You know, I, I think we got like a packet mailed or something with instructions on how to do it. And, you know, um, we got physical proofs mailed to us, which is not a thing anymore. <laughs> and, you know, it was just a long, a, a long thing of, all right, I reached out to them. They sent me a packet. I got everything ready. I probably mailed them our artwork and everything on a on a CD or some kind of flash drive. I mean, um, you know, it was just whenever there was something to do, I had to do that, focus on that, and then go on to the next thing. And then from there, it's like, all right, you know, we have the CDs now. Now, how do we how do we sell them or get rid of them? And you know, how do you sell stuff online? It's like once we realized that there was uh you know some more to it it's like all right now i gotta find out where should i get mailers how do i ship these what's the best way to ship them it's just you know everything came as it we figured it out as it came you learned about media mail oh yeah yeah (laughs) the greatest invention of all time i i you know what i i will not disagree with that um so I, I was also going to ask at this point with the label. Well, the other thing too is, you know, like you were talking about kind of learning all that stuff. The other thing is that it's like, I bet it changes so fast. You know, we kind of talked about it earlier. It's like you learn how to do those things. And then I feel like all of a sudden, a couple of years in, it's like, oh no, you don't, like you said, oh, you don't do proofs this way or you don't do this or that anymore. It's like, it seems like as, as soon as you learn something, you have to learn it another way again. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, looking back, of course, I can say we got physical proofs before and now it's like everything's digital. But, you know, it wasn't like an overnight thing. Things changed over years. Um, I mean, we, I'll say, for example, CDs, like we pressed CDs um, up until 2013 or 2014 um, because people were still buying CDs. And I think it's only been in the last five, six, seven, eight years where people are like, you know what, I'm just doing digital or I'm just doing vinyl. Um, but CDs were the way to go up until, you know, just a few years ago. Cause I feel like even when you started, like, and I know you did the, uh, like punchline over it split, but like at that point, I feel like you were like kind of unique in doing the vinyl. Like, I feel like that was a few years before vinyl really took off either. Like, I feel like what you probably put that out and then you probably didn't put like vinyl out for a while in between. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's another thing. I mean, when we did the vinyl, uh, that was a whole nother thing. I had no idea what it was. I just knew that vinyl was cool. And, you know, our pitch to 
punchline and over it um, because you know back then they were they were fairly big both of them in um, 04, 05 when we we started getting this together and our pitch to them was like hey we want to do something with you guys but we want to do something different that not a lot of people are doing what what do you think of a seven inch and they're like that's actually really cool what, what do you think about doing uh, an acoustic song oh yeah that that I think that'll work you know those those things really stuck out back then and um, you know we were fortunate to be able to do it, but at the same time, it was a whole nother learning thing. And if I could go back and do that release again, I would have done it, you know, so many different ways, but um, just like everything that I've done, it, it got me to this point. Everything's a learning opportunity and, you know, you take the, the bad with the good. So I know throughout the years, I mean, you've pressed everything. You've pressed things on CD, cassette, vinyl, what is the one that's like the biggest pain in the ass to get pressed? Like which one like takes the longest is the most difficult, like, you know, the hardest like turnaround time and everything. Um, I mean, the, not counting the last couple years. Um, I mean, everything was pretty straightforward after the first couple times I did it. Um, it was pretty, pretty easy. Like I knew what I had to do. I knew the artwork guidelines. I knew, you know, how many I wanted to get, how many different colors, you know, the packaging, all that. But, you know, lately vinyl, uh, everything that we've been working on and currently working on, it's just being delayed like, you know, three, four, five months. Um, oh, geez. Which, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's just, you know, not only is vinyl very popular, but, you know, because of COVID, it's still a thing that's, that's delaying how they're, their manufacturing stuff and you know what supplies are even available so um you know right now uh, vinyl records are you know, we got a plan probably six months out uh wow. before we can yeah do something about it and you know like overall i mean looking back now throughout the years has it been easier or harder to run the label than you thought when you were starting like in the beginning um that's a great question uh, bef- I would say when I started the label, um, I was fortunate. I, I didn't have a job. I was in school. I didn't have any responsibilities. So I got to basically work, you know, how I saw fit. And I, I probably put in, I don't know, 80 hours a week for, for about a five-year stretch, just being able to do whatever I wanted with the label and, you know, find out how to reach people, find out how to do um, X, Y, and Z. Um, but you know, through the, through over the years, it's, it's definitely dwindled down to where right now, you know, I have, you know, an idea of what I want to do, but I definitely don't put the, the amount of, um, extra time into it. So like I'll spend the same amount of time making sure the release is, is awesome. As far as the packaging goes, making sure it gets to the the plants and everything and ordered. But, you know, as far as the, the day-to-day stuff, it's, um, you know, you, your life changes, you have different responsibilities. Um, you know, I have a, an actual real life job outside of the label. So this, this has become just my, my nice little hobby on the side. So I, I get to do anything I want to, but, um, I don't spend as much time on it as I used to. No. And that, and that makes sense. And I mean, it does like in college, a lot of times you definitely, you know, you have a lot more free time than you end up having as a life starts. I would definitely say like, that's the best time. Like anyone who's trying to like start something like start like around college, like when you can have that, like, you know, you have winter breaks and things like that. Like, you know, if you can have that time to really invest in something, 
because it can definitely get harder as uh, it goes. But I'm sure it's also oh, still, I'm sure it's still really nice to have it now, you know, to be able to like do that as a, uh, you know, as whatever, to have that as an outlet and release, you know, the music that you want to release. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's cool that I'm still able to do this and enough people are, are paying attention for, for me to, you know, make the next thing. Um, but yeah, if I, I, I could not imagine starting a label at, at this point in my life right now, I think it would just be beyond an uphill battle. Cause yeah, when I started it, I was, I was young. Um, I didn't need to sleep. I probably slept three hours a night and I could still function fine. And, you know, I was in school. Fortunately, you know, my parents were like, yeah, as long as you're in school, do whatever you want. You know, they, they thought the label was awesome. They thought being in a band was awesome. Um, you know, they, they let me take out some, uh, some savings that were, were set aside for college to, to start the label. And, you know, with that, you know, I was, I was off running and, um, yeah, just did whatever I wanted to do, uh, which was, yeah, it was very fortunate. And then just got me to this point. That's awesome. You know, shows, shows are starting to come back. Are there, uh, any tours or specific shows coming around that you're uh, looking forward to? Uh, I'm going to next month, going to the Hella Mega Tour, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer. Oh, nice. That's going to be a good show. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I'd, it'll be my first, um, like, uh, big public thing. So I'm anxious, but excited to, to go back in and, you know, be, be semi normal. I, I take it you've seen all of the, well, I don't know if you've seen Weezer, but I tell you you've seen Fall Out Boy and Green Day many a times. Yeah, no, I've never seen Weezer, so that'll be cool. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Interrupters as well. Um, oh, that's yeah, right. They're great. Yeah. I forgot they were opening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen Fall Out Boy from, at tons of venues in Chicago. And Green Day, this will be my 16th time seeing them. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, you know, so, I mean, we're halfway through the year as well, halfway through 2021, are you know have you been listening to any new music have there been a few things this year that uh you've really enjoyed so i'm i i think uh your I'm own releases my, count too sure uh, I'll, I'll talk about those later <laughs> but yeah now I, as far as like bands you know I, I pretty much listen to the same stuff i did when i was in high school you know all the same bands that are still around um it's i, I pretty much stopped I think listening to new music about 10 years ago and I just been stuck in my, my little bubble. Um, but you know, the, the few bands that have broken through it, um, in the past few years, uh, real friends from Tinley park and, uh, neck deep. Um, those, those bands, you know, of course to me, real friends sounds like the starting line, but a little oh, bit definitely. different. Neck deep sounds like newfound glory, but a little bit different, but those like, yeah, I, I love those bands, and um, I was so happy to see that Real Friends found a singer and um, released a couple awesome songs, and looking forward to hearing more from them. Yeah, I was happy to see that, because I was wondering what was going to happen for a while, and then I saw they were on the uh, Pure Noise tour, and I was like, oh, okay, good, like, they must have found someone, and then I saw them, I'm like, oh, okay, good, because yeah, for a second I was like, oh, I wonder, like, if the, you know if they'll keep going or not, but that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's they, all they good. Went, yeah, they went silent once uh, they said that, that Dan was out of the band, and I was like, "Oh man, what a what a shame!" You know, it's like that. It was cool because that band was from right down the street from where I grew up. They're they're a few years younger than me, so we we never really 
um, connected. Um, kind of, kind of a funny story looking back when, when they, I think when they first started or shortly after, um, I was still, I was still living, um, in the Southwest suburbs, but, uh, Kyle reached out to me and was like, Hey, you run a label, you know, we're, we're looking to, my band is looking for, uh, for some space for a, a practice space and a, a merch place. You know, do you want to go, go in on half and, and get a place? Um, and run something. And, you know, at the time I was, I was moving uh, to a different part of town. So it's like, you know, it, it wouldn't have worked out, but um, in hindsight, you know, if, if I can go back and circumstances were different, that would have been really cool to to do with them. Yeah. That would have been awesome. I mean, I, and I forget too, sometimes that it's like, they're like really big. Like if you think of like the newer pop punk bands, they're probably like one of the biggest, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize it until I I saw them live. Like, wow, everybody is, is singing along to these songs. It's uh, it's really cool, and I, you know, I, I like them because they they sound great. But I also really like them because they're from my my area, and it's like uh, it, it was it's awesome to be able to say, yeah, I'm I'm from I'm from Chicago. Big big blankets, uh, but lots of bands are from Chicago, and it's cool to. Um, you know, when they, when they post something online, it's like they're eating at this place or that place. Like, yeah, that's, I know exactly what that is. It's, it's cool that normal people came from nothing and, and, you know, were able to make something big. No, that's awesome. That is uh, really awesome. I wanted to ask you, I got a few more questions, you know, over the years, I know you have repressed a, a couple of records or pressed on vinyl for the first time. I know like the, uh, early November's, uh, the uh, Mother Mechanic in the Path, which I think turns like 15 this year. You've done a few things like that over the years. What would be a few dream albums, if you could? Like, what are some dream albums you'd like to either repress, you know, that haven't been pressed in years or have never been pressed at all on vinyl? <laughs> uh, anything from Drive Through. That would be awesome <laughs> to, to do something again. Um, yeah, I, I would love to be able to license something from them again. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, you know, we'll see if, if anything happens in the future, but you know, yeah, anything new found glory starting line. I would love to do early November again. Um, that was so awesome to do. Cause like, yeah, I spent so many hours making sure that artwork, um, and the, the, the records, you know, I did it right. So like I can give that album a, a proper, proper release. It was, it was really cool. No, that is awesome. And, uh, you know, like what are a few future goals? Like, do you have for TDR? Like, do you have anything you can uh, tell us to expect like through the second half of 2021 or anything like that? Sure. So I'm hoping or we're looking forward to getting the um, Bobby Vaughn vinyl records in the mail. Um, like I said, they're, they're being a, a little bit delayed right now, but we're hoping to have those in the next month or so. Um, we have a few other releases that, you know, they're, they're ready to go. We're just waiting for the right time to, to put them out there. But, you know, like I said before, as long as I keep putting stuff out, if people are paying attention, that's awesome. You know, it's everything that, that I do is just goes back into the label and um, it helps, you know, me be able to reach out and maybe find that, uh, that early November and um, release and be able to, you know, kind of license that and, and, and put it out. So um, yeah, stuff coming out from bands that, you know, and um we're looking forward to getting those out there. That is really cool, and that is uh, exciting. We just had uh, Bobby on, I think, like two months ago, and uh, really yeah. enjoying the EP. So cool to see that uh, 
get a vinyl release. Did that did that get a cassette release too or no? No, just vinyl. Just, just vinyl. vinyl and digital. That's uh that's all that that I'm focusing on these days whether it's uh, only digital for sure or if we do a vinyl pressing, that's going to be the only physical um copy kind of thing. So this this might be hard, but I mean for someone listening to this who's maybe new to TDR Records, you know, what are a couple, I mean, they could be songs or just releases. Like if someone was new to your label, what's maybe like three songs or albums if you want to get, you know what I mean? Like either one that you would kind of steer someone in the direction to check out. And we'll definitely play some uh, stuff from TDR as well uh, after this. But like what are awesome. a few songs you would, you know, you would direct or album, your your choice? <laughs> sure. Song-wise, I mean, so a uh, few, few artists I'll say and then, you know, one song. Uh, the two bands that I'm working with right now, Bobby Vaughn, um, new, new EP, self-titled EP, uh, maybe I'm just crazy. It's a, so catchy. It's a great song. That's a jam. Yeah. Love that one. And then, um, our other artist, Yellowbird Mantra. Another great uh, one. We have, we have an EP out from last year. Uh, but the song you got to check out is Beverly. It's just, it's just so good. It's, a, it's, he's, he's a singer songwriter. It's acoustic with some other, um, instrumental elements and then you know past stuff obviously you know punchline for sure anything but the the punchline record that i love and was able to be a part of was delightfully pleased uh, the album um probably my favorite song on there is 70 the opening track that's a great and, one yeah um uh, otherwise barely blind um two songs you can pick from inner child or panic attacks from normal and um, actually, Bobby Vaughn's previous band called The Promise Hero, they have a song, an album called Wait for the Sun. Um, just so catchy. Like those songs still hold up. Everything still holds up to this day that, that I've released. You know, I, I may be, um, you know, biased, but, you know, that's, that's what I think. And it's, uh, it's been really cool to be a part of uh, those albums and songs. It's okay. I'll say it for you. you no, know, your stuff holds up. You got good stuff. Your <laughs> label you. has has good music. I'll say it for you. It's all right. It's a, that. It, it's good. It ages like wine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that is awesome. You know, we'll pro- I, uh, I guess I'll probably play all of uh, those songs you mentioned. And uh, I mean, we'll throw in here as we're closing up because uh, I know drive through is as near and dear to your heart as it is to mine. Uh, I mean. You want to pick a couple drive-through songs? Like we'll we'll throw on here. Uh, I'll play a few here oh, on the man. podcast and on the radio show. I'll probably play more, but it, like I, you know, throw like one or two drive-through songs. I don't know. I, you know, you can even pick like three. I don't care. Uh, sure. Just your favorites. They don't even have to be like an intro for people, but like you know, just three really good drive-through songs. Uh, I'll say Alistair somewhere down in Fullerton. Classic. Um. Oh, this is so hard. I <laughs> I know it okay. really is. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll say like, okay, I'm going back early, but this is specific. So the starting line, saddest girl story, but Ooh, the EP I like ver- it. Oh, the, the EP, EP version? version. Yes, I yes, like that. I... Go ahead, man. Yeah, that one is great. Um, and then the last one, I'll say, uh, newfound glory, third and long. Ooh, actually, now is that one? Would you like it? Right, that one's on both self-titled. Nothing, nothing gold can stay. Right? Uh, no, that's uh, hit or miss. That's right. Never mind. I'm yeah. an idiot. Okay. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I mean, those are those are songs um, that I played. You know, I like looked forward to listening to in my car when I got my driver's license. Um, oh man, I can even say anything from Midtown, Save the World, Lose the Girl. But yeah, we'll we'll stick to those three. Those are all uh, those are all great. I was gonna say earlier, I did a uh, I did a whole report, or I guess I shouldn't say report. I did a presentation on a saddest girl story once because I did it on uh, the starting line and then had to like play a song and like describe and dissect the song and its key and tempo and everything. And I went with oh, that nice. one, and everyone loved it. Even the teacher, they all said that's a jam. Everyone enjoyed yeah. it, so I was happy about that. So, and I'm happy you picked that song. Yeah, but uh, um, as we're closing up, I mean, where can people find you? Where can they find TDR Records? You know, people want to go find this stuff. Where thing? Where can they go find it? Yeah, it's tdrrecords.com, and you can go find TDR Records on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm on there all the time. Um, I love interacting with people, and you know swapping links with uh music and stuff to listen to um and then yeah you can check out our bands bobby vaughn he just released a, a self-titled ep we got it on um, spotify and all apple music and all that stuff there's a vinyl version and then Yellowbird mantra like i said singer songwriter uh, acoustic um got a ep uh, called new england summer that's that's the latest uh, you can find just all of this on on our socials or at tdrrecords.com. That's awesome, and yeah, both of those uh, we've had both of uh, we've had uh, Eben on and Bobby. Uh, I think in the actually, it's crazy. I think Eben was on almost a year ago. It's crazy. I think that last EP right that came out in like August of last year. Yeah, yeah, it was wow. uh, July July twenty almost coming up on a year. Everything seems so much longer ago because of <laughs> of the freaking COVID thing. So yeah. I can't believe it. So it's been about a year since he's been on, but yeah, we've had uh, both of them on recently, and uh, yeah, both those releases are uh, great. So we'll uh, we'll play some stuff from them. We'll throw a drive, you know, throw a couple drive-through songs on. We'll probably play more if you're listening to the radio show, but we'll put one or two on on the podcast. So uh, yeah, here is some TDR records for you right here on the Power Chord Hour.
fucking stuck in your mind Before you know you've lost control is in your head Stealing every one green white Watching life fast for your rise Now it shows that nothing ever holds you back Perfect smile then The way your hair blows in the wind Everything you do just makes me want you bad Think about what I did wrong Wondering what took so long If I could I'd erase every word I said Good right now 
away here on the Power Court Hour podcast. That was Bobby Vaughn with Maybe I'm Just Crazy. Before that was Punchline with 70. Before that was Mayfield. That was Mike Holland's band with Picture Perfect. And opening up that block of music was Barely Blind with Inner Child. All those excellent, excellent bands from TDR Records. You definitely got to go check them out. And I want to thank Mike Collins for uh, doing that. Really, really fun. And uh, and I really mean it, too, when I said in the beginning about, like, I can't believe I it's taken five years to have you on. Uh, he falls in that category. You know, some people do. I'm sure I've said it on here before for a couple other people, but it is uh, absolutely the truth that, uh, you know, it's been far too long. You know, either, either having them back or uh, having them on at all. It's just like I can't believe... You know, even related, you know, uh, Bobby Vaughn, who I just played for you, who's on TDR, you know, I said that he was on a couple months ago and, uh, you know, he'd been on before, but it'd been like four years and it's like, oh damn, like I didn't mean, you know, like I can't believe I haven't had you since then, you know, but it just happens, you know, you start having other people, uh, you just overlook it, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, you just kind of forget and, uh, you just start hitting other people up and just kind of forget to hit them up. And it happens, but eventually you get to him. So, I mean, you know, it's not all bad. We uh, we now have this, but he's definitely going to be coming on uh, sooner than later. I mean, that's it took five years to have him on, but, uh, but that's my own fault. You know, sometimes I say that, and I don't mean it like I've been asking him for five years, and he's been saying no. I asked him once, and he was, like, down with it. But it just took me that long, you know, my lazy ass to, uh, you know, ask him. But uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. I really hope you enjoyed last week's with Richie Ramone. That was awesome. I mean, that man is a legend. And uh, actually, truth be told, uh, I recorded both of those uh, back to back. Uh, I ended up doing, I recorded with uh, Mike on a Saturday night uh, at like six o'clock, a little earlier. uh, We talked. And then, and that's actually kind of the reason why this was shorter. Um, actually, that and that is totally my bad as well because I would never have booked them so close together because I wanted more time. Like I've known, I've talked to Mike for a very long time. Like I've loved his label for a really long time and everything. So it's like I I knew we would have tons to talk about, and there was so much more to talk about. But it's like I had to kind of you know keep it short and sweet just for the sake of getting to uh, you know Richie Ramone. But, uh, you know, totally kind of my bad on that part with the uh, overlapping on the bookings. But uh, either way, I mean, I had fun with both of them. But, yeah, I got off the phone with Mike, and uh, I think I had like five minutes maybe in between. And then I called up Richie Ramone and uh, did that one, and that was awesome, you know. But, uh, yeah, that was really cool. So go back if you haven't heard that. Go listen to last week's. But thank you so much for listening to this week's episode And uh, stay connected with the show at Power Chord Hour on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, What else? You know, I always promote myself at the end of these episodes, and you think I'd remember, but I I always got to think for a second. PowerCordHour at gmail.com. I have PowerCordHour stickers, and uh, hit me up. I'll send you some. I do not have them yet. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, but it's still worth hitting me up because I do have Power Code Hour stickers. But I did just order more in this really cool uh, design that the, the company that I get stickers from, uh, it's like a yellow sticker with black font. So it's kind of cool. It's a yellow sticker and then it'll have the you know power the regular Power Code Hour logo in black like it does on this one. Uh, the background just instead of being white, it'll be yellow. So uh, it's kind of cool. But those stickers are free. I'd love to send you some. So hit me up. I will uh, send you some out. 
And uh, yeah, if you listen to the radio show, you can also send me song requests there. And uh, I always love getting them. I got a couple a few weeks ago, I uh, which, uh, you know, doesn't always happen. Like, I get song requests, but I'd love more, honestly. Like, you know, if you listen to the show, I'd rather you not, like, send me song requests if you're not going to listen. But, like, you know, definitely. And I, and I don't need them live either. That's the other thing. They don't need to be live song requests. Like, hit me up a few days. It's actually better. Hit me up in advance, and I'll put it on the playlist. And, uh, you know, just hit me up like, hey, I'd like to hear this song or like send it out to this person, you know. So uh, if you ever want to do that, powercordhour at gmail.com. But yeah, follow us. And uh, if you want to check out that radio show every Friday night on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. And uh, you can listen to that on uh, WRFALP.com. And uh, you can stream the uh, station there. But two hours of music. I'm going to play this uh, interview on there this week. And uh, play some more songs. Uh, probably not a ton of time, but uh, actually, that's not true. I, uh, I actually, yeah, actually, what am I saying? I'll probably have like a whole hour to play music, so I'll play a lot of uh, TDR bands and other like related artists. So uh, if you want to tune into that, I mean, same. I'll, I'll be honest, you'll hear the same interview, but uh, a bunch of music afterwards and me talking. So if you want to hear me talk even more. But, uh, you know, you, you can hear me talk there, but it, it won't be here because I'm done talking. Thank you very much for checking out this episode. And uh, until the next episode, and tune back in next week because we have the July rundown of uh, the Power Chord Hour. But until then, for the Power Chord Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thanks for listening. <laughs>